Our very existence depends on this. This black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity and feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. I'm Jason James, executive producer of the show. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information from some of the nation's top doctors. I'm joined now by our host, Dr. Michael Lenore, a medical reporter and a past president of the National Medical Association. We're pleased to welcome our first guest, Ms. Tonya Winders. Ms. Winders is the president and chief executive officer of the Asthma and Allergy Network, one of the nation's foremost information sources for asthma and allergy. Ms. Winders, welcome to our program. And the reason we're talking with Swinder is because of not only their work in the area of asthma, but their work in the area of COVID, and they're working underserved communities as well, because I think it's important to know that. Let's begin at the beginning. How did the uh, Allergy and Asthma Network get started, and how did you get involved? Well, Allergy and Asthma Network actually was started by a mom who was looking back in 1985 for uh, good guidelines-based approaches to managing her own child's disease. She had a, a daughter with very severe asthma as well as food allergies. So she was sitting at her kitchen table long before we all had the internet at our fingertips and uh, was doing some research. Then she began writing a newsletter and ultimately that got some national attention and that's how Allergy and Asthma Network was first born as mothers of asthmatics. And I myself became involved um, about 15 years ago as a mom and a volunteer. I'm the mom of five. Four of them have allergies, asthma, eczema, all of those types of diseases. And so I began volunteering and working with Allergy and Asthma Network. And then eight and a half years ago, um, the founder, Nancy Sander, retired after 28 years of service, and I became the CEO and president. So I've been serving in this role for the last eight years. Well, first of all, Tanya, tell us what people can expect when they go uh, to the site for allergy and asthma. Tell us what people can expect when they go uh, to the site for Allergy and Asthma Network. Well, so our website, allergyasthmanetwork.org, has just recently been revised, and it's much more user-friendly. There's a wealth of information about allergy, asthma, eczema, COPD, so many different types of conditions that often cluster in the allergy asthma space. So a wealth of information, but very easy to understand and digest. Now, tell us how over the period of time, how the, your work has changed. Sure. Well, you know, uh, the, the fact of the matter is that our mission has not changed. So since 1985, we've been dedicated to ending needless death and suffering due to asthma, allergies, and related conditions. And we do that in four key ways. The first we're driving awareness of these diseases. We do that through traditional media, social media, digital media. Of course, all those things are new, right? Because those weren't around in 1985 in the same way. The second area is education. We do education for patients and caregivers, but also for healthcare professionals. So webinars, newsletters, um, you know, continuing education programs, live events that we're going to talk a little bit more about in the community. These are all ways that we convey those educational 
messages. Why is advocacy so important? To ensure that patients' voices are heard and that we have access to the care and the treatment that we need. So that's doing that at the state and at the federal level. Um, and, and we've done that through things like our Allergy Asthma Day on Capitol Hill, through passing bills. Even today, we had a bill that was passed through Congress to ensure safe labeling of food uh, for those that are living with food allergies. And then the final mission area is research. So outreach, education, advocacy, and research. And research for us is giving patient insights, ensuring diversity and inclusion in clinical trials, and certainly um, also doing a lot of focus groups and, and survey work where we have publications in peer-reviewed literature. As, an, as an, uh, a mom, uh, as an advocate, uh, and as the leader of one of the nation's most important asthma and allergy networks, can you share with our audience how important simple information is in managing difficult uh, asthma problems. I think when people start thinking about and talking to us about asthma, they always want to talk about the drugs. But really, I think having a comprehensive picture of what asthma is like and understanding the dynamics and the triggers and getting as much extra information as you need is, in my estimation, as important uh, as the medicine. Uh, what say you about that? Well, I absolutely agree. I, and I think it all does start with that appropriate and accurate diagnosis. And so what does that mean? Number one, there's it's not one size fits all. So not every patient with asthma has the same type of asthma, nor do they have the same triggers or things that make their asthma worse. So working with your provider, working with your healthcare professional to actually understand what type of asthma you have and uh, what those triggers are and how you might be able to manage them more comprehensively is a key aspect to long-term asthma management. So what, what do you say to people say, well, you know, I know I, I'm allergic to dust. I, that couldn't be that important that I get rid of that trigger. Or I know that, uh, you know, the cat is a problem, but, uh, you know, I, I don't see how it contributes. Um, I noticed that in the new guidelines yeah. uh, for man asthma, understanding the triggers is right up there with the biologics and the changes in the new medications. Uh, has that been your experience uh, in, in, in terms of dealing with people that we don't often pay enough, enough attention to those things that trigger the problem and focus really on the symptom uh, more than the, the whole uh, cascade of the disease? It is, it's, it's so vitally important that we get to those underlying. Oftentimes we do hear from families who say, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, you know, I'd rather live with allergies or asthma than get rid of my dog or my cat. And we understand that because pets can certainly become a very important part of the family. But there are steps that people can take with animals. Keeping it out of the bedroom, making sure that they're bathed on a weekly basis. Um, you know, certainly taking allergy medication or allergy immunotherapy with a board certified allergist. These are all steps that you can take to manage those underlying allergies now, one of the things we focus on with uh, Wellness Watch and the African American Wellness Project is we focus on the whole issue of how to navigate the system in order to better care for uh, any chronic disease, especially asthma. Okay. I don't want to put you on the spot, but how important is, is it for those of our, our parents out there to try and get with a provider or a specialist who actually understands the disease, 
understands the problem and keeps up with it. I see in my own practice every day, and, and that, as you know, probably the statistics as well as I, there are very few black allergists in this country and very few black specialists who deal with asthma. And when I see some of the cases of children and adults that I've seen who are unnecessarily sick and either in the emergency room all the time on the hospital uh, because the system that they were in did not understand the dynamics of managing the problem. How often do you think that is a problem for our parents or for people who are listening with asthma? Because it's my, my feeling, and I could be wrong about this, that most serious asthma that ends up in the emergency room and the hospital is really preventable. I would agree with you. I think that, so there are about 26 million people in the United States living with asthma. And we certainly know that people of color, African-Americans, Black Americans, um, Native Americans, as well as Hispanics and Latinos are more likely to have worse outcomes when it comes to asthma. Part of that is because they aren't getting that appropriate level of care. And so unfortunately we hear all the time um, of patients that have been you know, mismanaged. Uh, oftentimes it is that they are not getting that appropriate accurate diagnosis that includes uh, evaluation of their allergies, that includes their evaluation of other um, non-allergic triggers that may be making their symptoms worse. But it also can be just having a more open, trusting, shared decision-making process with their provider. If you're only getting two or three minutes with your doctor and you're not talking about all of the things that are really important to you and managing your asthma or the things that asthma is keeping you from doing that you desire to do, then we really encourage you to step that level of care up and seek out the advice of a board certified allergist or pulmonologist, depending on the needs. We said at the beginning of our podcast that your organization has changed its focus to deal more effectively with the coronavirus. Tell us a bit about that. Well, just like everyone else on the call, um, March of 2020 brought major changes to Allergy and Asthma Network because our community those living with allergy, asthma, and compromised immune systems actually had a lot of questions. So we began offering COVID-19 uh, information webinars on a bi-weekly basis. We've now held 26 webinars. We've had over 200,000 people join for those webinars. And we've developed uh, frequently asked questions, infographics, a whole COVID-19 information center that you can go online at allergyasthmanetwork.org COVID-19 and find a wealth of free information and resources, as well as the playbacks of those webinars. But we th thought that wasn't enough. And in the summer, when everything came into the spotlight of the, the inequities and disparities in our country, we saw it as a wonderful opportunity to bring the Not One More Life program forward and include COVID testing in those underserved communities. And to make sure that the black community specifically had at least equal, if not better access to testing and vaccine. And so that's where we started. And again, we did 1,200 COVID tests in, Atlanta, in downtown Atlanta. Um, and then we identified 156 of those people who had uncontrolled asthma and or COPD. We then invited them to do um, a 16-week telehealth digital health program 
and have supported those 73 of those individuals for the last 16 weeks. So we just completed that 16 week intervention and follow up. And now, like I said earlier, we're beginning to expand to areas like uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia, Oakland, Chicago, um, Birmingham, New Orleans. We've got a whole list of, of additional cities we'll be going to this year. Well, so I think that Dr. Leroy Graham, I'm sorry he's not here with us, uh, has also been a partner in this whole process. Uh, and I think that uh, rather than just talking about the issue, I think um, the Asthma Allergy Network along with Not One More Life has really put themselves into the community in a way that I think is important. I keep emphasizing to those of you who have asthma, or whose children have asthma, if your children are not well controlled, if you're not well controlled, then something is wrong with the system that you're in. Because there's so many things that we can do now with asthma. And the Allergy and Asthma Network is a great resource in a number of ways, and I hope that uh, we've done justice to the kinds of work that you're doing and the opportunities that um, you present for people uh, with asthma to an allergy to, to do better. Uh, as Dr. Watson always said, if you do better, you do better. And I think our community is really good about that. Too often we don't get the information we need, we don't get the resources we need. But I think here on Wellness Watch uh, and in the next few weeks, we will continue to talk to you about the programs that you're doing and certainly the webinars I think are very important and they will be on our website as well. Being in the Atlanta area, I am very, very happy to know that it started here in Georgia. And could you talk, in, in terms of um, allergies in, in particular, I've noticed that I'm from Florida originally, and I noticed that when I go back to visit, my allergies aren't nearly as intense as they are than when I am here in Georgia. Is there some correlation between uh, being in an area where like growing up in a place that your body has adjusted to the pollens or to the to the uh, allergens in that area versus another city or state or a region of the country? Absolutely. So again, it, it takes our bodies being repeatedly introduced to these offending allergens uh, for us to even know if in fact we are allergic. And again, it's when our bodies produce an antibody called IgE that actually makes all those symptoms of the runny nose, itchy eyes, scratchy throat, sneezing, all of that good stuff that comes along with allergies. Have you been watching me today? Did you stop? <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> it's rampant all over the country. The phones are ringing off the wall this year. Um, yes. But the good thing about this year is that we're wearing masks, right? And yes. as we're wearing those masks, it is covering the nose and the mouth. And so we're getting fewer exposure to allergens if we are wearing masks. So there's a double benefit there of COVID and allergies. But nonetheless, um, it, there are different allergies that are more prominent in different areas of the country. And so the allergens that you were exposed to in Florida are different than the allergens that you're exposed to in Georgia. And what we're also seeing is, is that our climate's changing. So allergies are strong out in the allergens are stronger the allergy seasons are longer, and so the symptoms are worse as you know we continue to move forward in history. And, and so that's why, again, you may not have the same allergies when you're in Florida versus Georgia. So, all right, so I've got another question. So I, I have, uh, we have a pet, we have a dog, no problem, don't have any problems with it. But uh, my sister and my uncle, they have cats. Yes. And I am really allergic to cats. And so 
help me understand well, how that mechanism works as much as you can in terms of why am I allergic to one type of pet versus another type of pet? Yeah. So it's all about the pet's dander. And, and so a lot of times think people think it's their fur or, you know, but it's actually the dander, the very, very small pieces of their skin that flakes off. And, and oftentimes they lick and then they lick you or, um, and, and that's how you become exposed. So cat dander and dog dander are two very different proteins and your body recognizes them completely differently. Cat dander is really interesting. There's a lot of really fascinating studies that even decades after the cat has been removed from the home, there's still cat dander in the home. So it's very sticky and hard to get rid of. Um, you know, so that's oftentimes why you'll hear people say, well, you've got to remove the carpets or you need to completely keep the bed, the cat out of the bedroom because that, that dander is there and that's what your body is reacting to. Um, but you, you bring up a good point, Ellis, because allergies and asthma have both a genetic component. So, you know, depending on your mom, your grandma, your, your dad, grandpa, um, aunts, uncles, all of that, there is a genetic predisposition, but then your environment. And we know that each person has a unique genetic makeup and environmental component of their disease. And I believe I would inject that, but let me say one thing about animals while we're, we're talking about it, and then we'll get back to some of the other issues. I, I have, I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't necessarily, I'm, I'm not a great animal fan. I don't want them killed. I don't, I don't want them on coats, but I have never seen anybody ever give up an animal, no matter how sick they were uh, with allergies. Never. They'll get rid of the husband before they get rid of the cat. I've seen marriages break up. I've seen all kinds of partnerships break up. Because when it comes to a decision between you and the cat, that's an irreversible, that's a statement. If you say the cat can stay and you can stay sick, that's a statement. And I, <laughs> but I've never seen people give up animals. Real quick, Dr. Lenore, I want to thank our guest for joining us this evening. She's got to run, uh, so she's not going to be able to stay with us to the end of the show, which I know is very disappointing for her. But uh, we want to thank her for joining us this evening. And, and please make sure I put it in the in the chat box. Go to allergyasthmanetwork.org. There's no and in there, just asthmaallergynetwork.org and get all the information you can. Also, if you have the ability to donate, they, they to their research, donate to their cause. They have the links on there for you to be able to make a donate donation to the asthma, allergyasthmanetwork.org. Did I get that right? You got it, allergyasthmanetwork.org. Thank you guys so much for the time and the opportunity tonight. I look forward to being back with you again soon. I hope everyone stays well. Please do go. We have a wealth of free resources and programs. And then of course, we, we will always welcome donations as well. So thank you for mentioning that. Well, Mr. Dean, what a great organization that is. What a great resources for patients and parents of children with asthma and allergy. So thank again to Ms. Tonya Wilder, President and Chief Executive Officer of the African of the Asthma and Allergy Network. And so that ends today's podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Mike Lenore, and for our host, Dr. Ellis Dean, remember health is your biggest asset, so protect it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lenore. As always, it has been a pleasure. To our fans, thank you so much for listening to the Black Doctors Speak podcast. We are a weekly show 
and we are sponsored by the African American Wellness Project, the Markel Lenore Endowment, and the Dan Weinstein Family Fund. Continue the conversation with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, at Black Doctors Speak, and on Twitter, at Black Docs Speak. And if you enjoyed our show, please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctors Speak podcast. Thanks so much, everyone. Stay safe.